Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Hello. Uh, just Matt again. Remember, secret missions all the time with the guys. Uh, they're away for the moment, that, but they'll be right back. Actually, in just a couple of seconds when you hear them in this classic episode about Project Iceworm. This is from November 2016. Uh, we often talk about the secret machinations of governments and militaries on this show. And this episode is no different. We're talking about secret bases that are hidden away in, in places that you'd never expect. Uh, if you're a, you know, regular old person like you and me, uh, even if you're a military, like an opposing military, you might not think about places, some of the secret places that militaries put these bases and this secret base is in a very unexpected place. I don't know, base in a place. I don't know, I like how that's rhyming. It's in Greenland. You know, the, the giant ice-covered continent up there? It's not really continent. It's like an island. Is it? It's Greenland. And it's a secret base. And it's under the ice. It's super cool. It's so cool, it's cold. Oh, I'm sorry. Here, guys, take it away. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, my name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. You are you. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. And as we are uh, as we are recording this, it's a little before the U.S. holiday called Thanksgiving. So when this podcast comes out, 
uh, hopefully, if you are in the U.S. and you celebrate this sort of thing, you will uh, you will be full of tryptophan, the uh, sleepy ingredient in Turkey, and uh, taking a pleasant snooze. And if you're lucky, your family has a uh, elaborately decked out underground ice bunker where you can enjoy their company um, in uh, the appropriate surroundings for such a holiday, um, icy ones. Right. And, uh, that's, that's what they call foreshadowing in the business, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you may also take a moment, uh, if you will, the day after Thanksgiving to celebrate National Heritage Day, which is a commemoration of the Native American people who were invaded by Europeans. Controversial, but that's the nature of this show and it is factual. Today we are not talking about Thanksgiving, we are talking about military bases, government secrecy. And so for those of us in the audience who like the political stuff, you'll love this. Uh, and for uh, those of us in the audience who say, hey, why don't you do more paranormal stuff? Thank you for all the awesome emails, tweets and messages. Doing our best to get more topics like that on the show. Uh, it can be a little bit of an uphill battle, but hopefully there are more on the way. We're also talking in a way today about climate change. The crux of today's topic dwells in the realm of geopolitics, the murky business of the institutions seeking to control the world and the groups of people seeking to control those institutions. Here, here are the facts. Funny thing about America, right? And, of course, we being in the U.S., when we say America, we mean the United States. Everyone in this country does it. Sorry, Canada, Mexico, totally all American. Uh, but the thing about the U.S., as seen by residents of the U.S., is that uh, – well, maybe we do it hypothetically. Matt, how would you feel if uh, – how would you feel if a country built a base on U.S. soil? Like, uh, would it depend on the country? You know, would you be more okay with France versus Saudi Arabia? Yeah, it would be, where is it? Is it an ally? Uh, Not in my backyard. Yeah. Yeah, what else is going on geopolitically that necessitates a base on U.S. soil from another country? I mean, I, I would hopefully look at it in those terms unless it was in extreme close proximity to where I live and mm-hmm. work every day. What are we talking here? Will there be nuclear payloads involved? You know, like I said, not in my backyard, mister. It's it's strange because the overwhelming majority of U.S. citizens or even just U.S. residents overwhelmingly across the board, demographics, uh, uh, demographics uh, can be super varied, old, young, wealthy, poor, uh, various uh, racial identifications, religious identifications, political allegiances. Almost everybody says a foreign military base on U.S. soil. Well, that's an abomination. That is an abomination to this country. Yet U.S. military bases on other countries' soil are seen as, you know, essential to the various political buzzwords of our time, national security. That's the great boogeyman that we've explored in the past. Right? Just to put out there, I was playing a character and saying not in my backyard. I was, <laughs> that, I was that guy that has that exact sentiment yeah. that, you know, well, of course we need them there, but don't, don't let not them put them here. here. No, yeah. sir. Global stability is not my neighborhood stability. Um, and whatever else, like what, whatever else, uh, people use to linguistically disguise that fact, it's seen as the, 
U.S. being sort of the the world's police force, right? And you'll also hear the uh, you'll also hear the argument like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, we built that base because people want us there. People want the rule of law. People want the security of the world's best military. And the U.S. is almost by any measure the world's largest and most efficient military. Well, not efficient, not efficient. Just the largest and most effective in terms of destruction. But this argument that people want foreign bases on their soil or that other countries want U.S. bases on their soil is usually not true. Spoiler alert. When they say we want the U.S. there, what they what they typically mean is uh, something like the leaders of the country have hatched a deal with the leaders of this country to have this thing in um, – adjacent to uh, a country that the U.S. is hostile toward. So, for instance, South Korea and North Korea, Iran and every other country surrounding Iran, uh, because the U.S. sure hates Iran ever since they threw out the uh, supported the, the U.S. supported dictator. So as far as we know, the U.S. has built the most foreign bases in history, in human history. More bases, more, you know, foreign sites than the Roman Empire, more than the UK, more than Kemet, more than Babylonian society. Uh, at this point, or as of 2015, the U.S. has around 800 more or less publicly known, if not officially acknowledged, like open secret Bases, uh, and you can learn more about this in a book called Base Nation: How U.S. Military Bases Abroad Harm America and the World by David Vine. Obviously, the guy's got a slant, but his numbers are on point in terms of the number of bases. I don't know if I completely agree with his opinion of what those all those bases are doing, and we're also almost certain that there are more sites out there that they remain unacknowledged and may remain unacknowledged for decades and decades. At least that is until the ice begins to recede and the devils of the imperial past come calling for their due. What are we talking about? You know, when you said that just then you sounded a lot like Rod Serling doing a uh, uh, Twilight Zone narration. Oh, thank you, man. And that the means so devils much. of their past come calling, calling for their doom. doom. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, Rod Serling is a, is a hero of mine. That was good stuff. Oh, thank you. Hey, what, um, but what are we talking about specifically here? We talked about underground layers. We talked about ice. Specifically, we're talking about a U.S. military base called Camp Century. And it's a project, it's a, a part of this thing called Project Ice Worm, which was originally started as a way to quote, test construction techniques out in the Arctic or Arctic construction techniques. So how do I make things work from an engineering perspective when it's bitterly cold, like cold, unforgivingly cold, brutal? Was that from the Corps of Engineers? That was their description of the project? Cool. It exists 150 miles from an existing uh, U.S. base called Thule Air Base Camp. Uh, And that is, it's also 121 miles from the coast of Greenland. Right, and Tulia Air Base is uh, still extant. It's the U.S. Air Force's northernmost base, and it's uh, about 750 miles north of the Arctic Circle, uh, a little less than 950 miles from the North Pole, uh, the the physical one, not the magnetic one. Um, and it's, or I should say, 
the conceptual one, not the magnetic one. Um, so this this uh, is home to the 21st Space Wings Global Network of Sensors. Just to give some uh, just to give some context here, and when we say sensors, of course, I mean the uh, detection of external stimuli. I don't mean editing the truth. And just to give people a sense of like the layout of this, I mean, because when I first started looking into it, I was picturing some sort of fortified, crazy, futuristic ice dome, like James Bond villain lair style, uh, like we talked about at the beginning of the show. But what in fact we're talking about is much more like a traditional military base where you have, you know, barracks, you have, uh, different, um, research facilities, you know, you have a gym, um, a commissary, things like that. So I'm looking at an aerial view of it and it kind of just looks like a neighborhood. But, but it's not like there are roads or anything like that connecting these, these things up. It's tunnels that were bored through the ice. Right. And we'll, we'll take a look at the construction as well. So at the time, the U.S discussed the plans for building Camp Sentry with Denmark, and they said, as Matt pointed out, it would be a demonstration of affordable ice cap military uh, outposts. They they believed, Denmark at least officially believed, this would be a way to explore scientific concepts, so not an active application of things, more a, hey, will this work? What can we do with this? Um, Denmark thought the U.S. would explore practical problems with a semi-mobile nuclear reactor, like how could we make a movable nuclear reactor that is stable and supplies enough power to support, as Noel said, a town, uh, a military outpost of this size, and uh, being a base camp for scientific experiments in the ice cap. And this all was, in a way, true. However, what Denmark did not officially know about, and Noel, what are those, uh, what's that quote we use for air quotes? <laughs> officially. <laughs> yes, what, what Denmark did not officially know about was Project Ice Worm. This was a proposed system of tunnels that would eventually, according to their plans, be 2,500 miles length, used to deploy up to 600 nuclear missiles that would be able to reach the Soviet Union in the case of nuclear war, which was a clear and present danger. The brilliant thing about this is that the missiles were under Greenland's ice sheet, so when deployed, if deployed, they would happen, they, they would launch too close to be detected or prevented in time. This was also created before the U.S. knew about the dead man's hand, the apocalyptic nuclear, uh, nuclear system which exists in Russia today, which you can find out about in our, our previous audio podcast. And just in case they were discovered or compromised somehow, even though Soviet technology, so far as the West knew, could not detect these weapons, the the sites would still be changed periodically. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. We talked about the construction of this, so let's get in a little more detail. There are 21 trenches, and they had arched roofs, uh, and then inside of those arches, that's where they put these, you know, like prefab buildings. If you went to a public school in the United States, then you have probably seen those add-on trailers that happen when uh, when there are more students than the building can house. I used to call them portables when I was a kid. I portables. Know. I don't know if that's like a thing that was just in my neck of the woods, but I remember that. And it happens, especially if you're around, you know, growing population. So these prefabricated buildings, uh, as Noel said, they had. Uh, hospitals, shops, a theater, a church, of course. The total number of inhabitants, the highest point was 200. And they had a very interesting electricity supply. From 1960 till um, 1963, the electricity supply was provided by the world's first mobile uh, portable nuclear reactor. Oh, a portable. A portable. 
<laughs> no, exactly. Uh, yeah, our, ours didn't didn't have those, but um, we had uh, we had R.L. Stein books aplenty. Um, it was referred to as the PM2A and designated by Alco, the company for the U.S. Army. Yeah, and uh, PM2A actually stood for something. It was uh, portable medium power. Hmm. Which is kind of cool. So it was like one to ten megawatts is how much it could generate. Interesting, you know. And uh, there's also such a great story in there, which listeners, uh, we we'd love it if you take time to check this out. And maybe we could do something in the, in the future on private engineering of nuclear facilities because Alco started as a locomotive company. It's short for American Locomotive Company. They also, uh, in Camp Century and the planned Project Iceworm, they took water supplied from glaciers and they had to, this is such a cool side note, they had to test it for plague just in case something survived there in the depths of the glaciers. And here's what they eventually wanted to build. Um, this missile network uh, was outlined in a report called The Strategic Value of the Greenland Ice Cap. Completed, they were thinking this will cover 52,000 square miles. It'll be three times the size of Denmark, the country that technically the U.S. is occupying. Is that weird? They didn't know about it. They they didn't know about this plan. They didn't officially know. Yeah, they didn't know about it. But it's also interesting when we we think about a country like the U.S. is already larger than Denmark, right? And Denmark had jurisdiction over Greenland and – the U.S. was building a base that was larger than the country it was technically occupying. Do you know the name of the capital of Greenland? Hmm. Nuke. <laughs> Weird. Right under your nose, man. That's what. Oh, I, I know it's true. Uh, I, I did. I did want to mention that um, a lot of sources refer to the base itself as more or less a cover for this more strategic project where they were trying to, you know, really get a foothold, so to speak, in the ice and, like, burrow these tunnels in order mm-hmm. to, you know, have this strategic advantage. Um, and the the base itself was almost more just like a cover project so they could actually do this more, you know, kind of top-secret project. Right. And also so that – I mean, let's think of it this, this way. Um, at this time, there are deep cover operatives – from both sides of the Cold War embedded in all sorts of government and private industry positions, high value stuff. I just, I I find it difficult to believe that the Soviet sources would not somehow get wind of this. Come on, man. We're, we're building this to test construction techniques. Yeah. Come on. Seems pretty flimsy. Oh yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure Harp was just experimenting with the ionosphere to see what would happen. Let's spend, let's spend hundreds of millions of dollars on projects like this. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not quoting, um, exact financial amounts here, but I am saying, uh, that you are absolutely right. Nolan, Matt, the, uh, it was a cover. They wanted the launch complex to be 28 feet below the surface and then the uh, missile launchers themselves even deeper and they would be in clusters 
spaced about four miles apart from each other. They would dig new tunnels every year. So after five years, there would be thousands of different possible firing positions and they could rotate amongst those, which is important because that means that once the Soviet side found out about it, they would be playing whack-a-mole, essentially. They couldn't hit the whole thing at once. And they built a different kind of, or they intended to launch a different kind of Minuteman missile. Uh, it was a shorter two-stage version, and they called it the Iceman, which I think is cool. It reminds me of that play, The Iceman Cometh. However, it didn't last very long because, you see, the ice was moving. Yeah, on Greenland, the the surface ice is constantly moving outwards from what would be essentially the center of the continent. <clears throat> as it forms and then moves towards uh, the ocean. And this poses a problem for these tunnels that were dug inside this ice because they're going to be deforming. They're going to be, uh, you know, as this ice is melting, st- like it's going to bulge in on the tunnels. If you've got a missile silo that's dug out in there, that poses a huge problem. Stuff's going to get covered up. You're going to have to be constantly, uh, I guess, maintaining like such huge amounts of maintenance that it would probably be in- not be feasible. And the idea of climate change at this time was pretty much just a glimmer, if that. I mean, mm-hmm. it just wasn't a thing. Yeah, absolutely. But they they did – yeah, so it wasn't politicized the way it is now, um, but the patterns were in place, right? And for them, it was just pure science. It was pure engineering. Just you cannot build a castle on sand. We should mention, too, that some of the first ice cores – were were taken in that research facility we mentioned at the base, um, which would you know, which were looking for variations historically in the layers of ice in order to kind of see the way the mm-hmm. planet had developed and what the conditions were like over time. Yeah, I believe climatologists still use that that the results from those uh, today. You ever seen the way they store those? Like they they pull them out and they they're stored in these like giant crazy tubes that are then <laughs> like you know kept in a you know climate controlled environment. It's insane. I, I wouldn't want to be around it because I have this habit of uh, or I have this longstanding principle. I don't want to touch things that I can't afford to replace. So listeners, if you ever meet me in person, uh, think the world of you. Love you to death. Love your kid. Don't want to hold it. And what if plague is in there, Ben? And what if plague is in there, Matt? Uh, <laughs> in the ice, we mean, not in your Yeah, not child. in the kid. Not in the kid. <laughs> so you're having these potential structural issues with this moving ice. And by 1962, the ceiling of the reactor room, where this portable nuclear reactor was, mm-hmm. uh, it dropped. And in this, re- the reactor itself had to be lifted five feet. And we're talking, I mean, this thing is, well, I know one, one component of the reactor was like 21 tons. And I mean, this is a massive undertaking just to move this thing. And that poses a problem. But then, <laughs> then they realized within three years, the, um, the ice core samples started showing evidence that the glaciers was moving actually faster than they had anticipated. And they realized this ice is going to destroy the tunnels and all of these planned launch stations in a, like two years. We're mm-hmm. talking two years from now, everything's destroyed that we want to make. So they decided to, you know, cut their losses and they evacuated the, the place in 1965. A little bit after that, the nuclear generator itself was removed and they canceled Project Iceworm altogether, at least officially. And Camp Century closed in 1966. 
and decades would pass before anyone else learned about this. Uh, in 1995, Denmark and the U.S. had beef over a previously classified uh, set of, of documents and information regarding the 1968 B-52 crash at the Thule Air Base. And because of that disagreement, the public learned and Denmark officially learned of Project Iceworm. However, when we say the public learned, often what we're, what we're saying is that it was no longer classified or it was technically on paper available. So while it was publicly available, it was highly unlikely that someone would use this information or, or even be aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. So much had changed. However, in 2016, scientists concluded that the portion of the ice sheet covering Camp Century is most likely going to melt away. We would have never learned about this thing, the secret military base, unless it was already inevitable that this would be exposed. And when it is exposed, we're talking about some very dangerous possibilities. That's right. Remember that nuclear generator? Well, that thing was pumping out hazardous materials as, you know, as it was creating power. That's just how it functioned. Of course. Uh, so when they left, there's still at the site roughly 200,000 liters of diesel fuel, uh, roughly the same amount of wastewater from the generator. There's all kinds of radioactive coolant that's still there that that nobody even knows how much is still there and like PCBs, other kinds of uh, organic pollutants. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I ever told you guys this when I used to work for public radio, my beat was the nuclear plant in the town where I lived in Augusta, Georgia. Um, and also there was a, uh, called the Savannah River site, which was converted into more of a research facility where different scientists studied the effects of nuclear waste on the environment. The reason for that is, is that it had been the site of uh, a refinery. It was built in the 1950s to refine materials used to make nuclear weapons. But when they decommissioned it, they, they had just buried all of this waste in these pits that were lined with what is the equivalent of like a tarp, you know, like a sheet. And so there were all these different pits that they had to clean and all these projects involved cleaning out this waste. And then again, the scientists there studied the effects on, you know, uh, deer and amphibians and turtles uh. and all this kind of stuff. Point being is that in these days, the government was not particularly concerned with doing a real bang up job at cleaning up their messes. Well, we're so, st- there's still a lot of learning that's going on in these days about the effects of all that sure. stuff. Yeah. Um, not to, you know, cast it away and say, oh, they didn't know what they were doing, but still it's, uh, Irresponsible in some ways. Absolutely. But, you know, their, their idea was, oh, the ice will just, it'll just be um, preserved forever and right. that no one will ever be exposed to it, which there is some truth to that. But as we know, that's, that ice is receding still. And who knows what happens if it ever, you know, did get exposed. Right. Between 2003 and 2010, the ice that covers most of Greenland was melting twice as fast as during the rest of the 20th century. It's picking up the pace and you can look at the temperatures as well to see this. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. The only good thing currently is that in the immediate short term, it looks like there continues to be more and more ice building up on top of, of this site. So in 1959... Camp Century was 8 meters below the ice. Uh, then in 1965, it was 12 meters below the ice. Then in this year, 2016, it stands at 35 meters below the ice. But th- like Ben said, what's happening here is the ice 
the ice sheet is generated in certain months or like certain time of the year, then it melts away and then it comes back a little bit and then it recedes. Mm -hmm. So it's this uh, ebb and flow of ice and the melting is increasing. So they're, what are they thinking, Ben? 2090? Yeah. Yeah. Slightly before the end of this century. Yeah. That's when all of the ice will be gone and this stuff is just exposed to the elements. So is there no, program or anything that, that's in, that's interested in cleaning this up or getting in there and, you know, taking care of this in advance of that happening, or is it just too inaccessible? Well, Greenland became largely independent in 1979. The governments, um, the, the local government of Greenland, Denmark, and the U.S. are aware of this. The U.S. has issued a statement saying that they are going to work to address any concerns uh, in Matt, I see you. I just love that idea. We're going to address any concerns. It'll be fine. I see. I see Matt uh, doing the unhappy grin and head shake. Um, <clears throat> you're a man of many grins, and I've learned to read several of them. I'm not fluent in your language yet, but I'm picking up what you're putting down. So you think it's malarkey, huh? I, I don't know. I mean... There's not much money in cleaning up. <laughs> yeah. It's not profitable for anyone. And, you know, it seems like we have a, a pretty standard policy in this country when it comes to that kind of stuff as, uh, who cares? It'll be fine. We'll deal with it when we deal with it. Once it gets really bad. Well, can you, can we honestly expect people who are, especially if they're elected, can we honestly expect people who are elected for a term of, four years or two years or even 10 years, if that happens, to effectively create solutions that won't come into play until 20 years, 25 years. You can't expect a person with a four-year mind to make good 25-year decisions. You can hope for it, but you can't expect it. And that's that's one of the problems here is that we are, as a species, on the precipice of extended lifespans. And it is quite possible that the first person who will functionally be immortal, one sense or the other, is alive today. So this problem is becoming less and less abstract. You know, it's very easy to say, as, as Drew Carey said once in his stand-up set, you know, forget the kids, forget the later generations. I, I forget the ozone. I want, uh, I want my hairspray now or whatever it was. That, that's the point. Um, now is the future is now. It's happening. If you take decent care of yourself, then, uh, medical technology will start with the obscenely wealthy, right? And a few lottery winners who will get a careful what you wish for situation, uh, like the, uh, Henrietta Lacks who is the currently, technically, uh, you guess you could say the mother of the first immortal. Yeah. Her Can't. cells, like her, her cells are so mortal. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's not a uh, kind of immortality a lot of people would like. But what we're saying is your odds of living to see this are higher now than at any point Ever. And, and I know that's, yes, you're just chronologically closer. We're just chronologically closer to 2090. But also, you could be born in 1970 
and quite possibly live to 2090 and not not live in some deluded state either. You could be cognitively functional. And that's just one uh, abandoned base. And we only learned about it because governments are saying, well, people are going to find out eventually. Yeah. When Google Maps came along, they're like, eh, well, I guess mm-hmm. we got to talk. Yeah. When the, when the glaciers, when the glaciers melt, starts changing colors, the fish start floating belly up. Again and more. Uh huh. Then eventually, as we said at the beginning, the devil comes calling for his due. And now in 2016, toward the very end of the year, the U.S. is likely making more military bases than it is closing. Many countries are involved in this, mostly superpowers. And outside of the public sphere, these countries' intelligence agencies are keenly aware of who owns what, who's going for what, who's closing what, and when. The discovery of black sites is somewhat of a controlled burn, the idea that you can give the public the feeling that secrets have been discovered to prevent, you know what I mean? Like you, you cut off the arm to save the body. Yeah. Yeah. And project, project century isn't that important anymore. We don't need to worry about it. We can tell people about that, but then we're going to keep these other seven. So top secret, only Trump's going to know about it. <laughs> oh, that's right. The president, uh, I often wonder how much the president knows about these sorts of projects. I feel like strategically they would have to, right? Because they make the final call. I would think so. No, some there's some stuff that has to be compartmentalized so that they can maintain plausible deniability, which means that they will have a situation where they will talk in in high-level terms about something, but then – Someone else will take care of it in the specifics and the nuts and bolts, which is why you can have a situation where someone says, I think that we should let's let's pivot and have more, you know, human rights in a given country. And then uh, a part of the government will go off and say, OK, what does that mean? And then the bombs start dropping. Hmm. That's that's. That can happen. That doesn't, you know, that's, of course, not the official policy, and that, of course, doesn't happen all the time, but it has happened historically. And again, as we take pains to say, not just with the U.S., but we would like to hear uh, from you. What military bases are in your neck of the global woods, right? Do Do you live near a foreign military base? The odds are overwhelmingly likely that if you do, it's run by the U.S. And, oh, we should also say, as a disclaimer, not all bases are created equally. The Diego Garcia airstrip site is a very different animal uh, than, you know, uh, Guantanamo Bay or uh, Black Site in Poland, right? And that's very different from a military base in Germany or something. And full disclosure, I used to live on military bases. Um, I can assure you some are much more uh, sophisticated and livable than others. Uh, so let us know what your experience is. Let us know what your life 
was like on a military base. Um, and let us, let us know your opinion if you are comfortable sharing it. Cause again, you are the best part of the show. And the reason this show works is because of your suggestions. Which reminds me, it's been a while since we did it. Shout out corners. Well, I have a shout-out today. goes to Brent Liberati. Brent writes, I volunteer with an aviation museum, and on our flight back from an air show, we flew over the U.S. National Radio Quiet Zone. Sound familiar, guys? Um, we happened to fly directly over Sugar Grove Station. Some of our crew asked what it was when another crew member and myself were able to explain it to them, thanks to STDWYTK, that's us. It's a mouthful. Anyway, I took some pictures I thought you would enjoy. I'll attach them to the email. Hope men in black suits don't show up on my doorstep. Love the podcast. Keep on illuminating Brent. And he sent some really cool pictures, flyover pictures mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. this, uh, this area in the quiet zone. Um, is that, and, and you can see the radio telescope right there on the left here. Maybe we'll post these on social media or something. Can we do that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, if it's excellent. okay with him. Yeah. If you're comfortable with it. Uh, all right. And, Adam writes to us and asks, Adam C. writes to us and asks, have you heard of VEMT, V-H-E-M-T, Voluntary Human Extinction Movement? If you or your listeners are interested in human population mitigation for the benefit of ecology and humanity, this is the place to be. It's very reasonable. Take a look. I've had these beliefs for a long time, but this guy makes the most sense of anyone I've ever heard. Might make a good show for you. Scary stuff, Mm -hmm. Adam C. Scary, scary stuff. The idea of voluntary human extinction, I think a lot of people will have uh, survival arguments against that. But I looked at some of the information, and it's completely fascinating. Check it out. They're not talking about necessarily a huge suicide pact. Population mitigation, preventing the Malthusian collapse. And we have one more shout-out for today. Laura writes to us and says, hey, I've been subscribed to your channel for several years and I enjoy it very much. Thank you so much, Laura. It's very kind of you. I'm surprised that your team has not done a video about the weird theory surrounding RH negative human blood. I am O negative myself and recently researched the rhesus factor while working on a novel. Some claim RH negative people are descendants of ancient aliens, have special powers, or are the children of the Nephilim. I hope you will consider this subject worthy of your show. I consider that very worthy. That's a cool idea. So thank you so much, Laura, for writing in. Mm, That's fascinating. It's been a while since we looked at uh, the idea of Nephilim, you know. And the more we learn about ancient human history, the more it seems, I don't know how you guys feel, but the, the more it, the more evidence I see that these folk tales and these ancient traditions may be based on other hominid species encounters with early man and at times inter, you know, at times interbreeding, which is why we're all likely to carry some stranger DNA with us. So maybe the blood is part of that. I can see it. And that concludes today's... As well as today's episode. But never fear, we will be back next week. We also are working on some uh, some things that may interest you uh, that will be coming out in December. So stay tuned. In no the- spoilers. And that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, 
You can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.